When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. Man, it's been a quick week. It has been. Christmas is here. Many of you will be out scurrying through shopping malls and shopping centers because you have procrastinated. Well, I have not. I have nothing really to do. I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm out here in New Mexico with my wife. I will go out tomorrow and, uh, I don't know, maybe get her a Christmas stocking with some needful things. But I gave her her gifts when I was here before. So I'm not going to be stressed. I'm going to be excited. My kids are older. I don't have to spend uh, Christmas Eve night constructing an erector set uh, of, of anything. I don't have any uh, Hot Wheels to put together or, or anything like that. I do have a grandchild, and uh, fortunately, I have learned one of the best things about being the grandparent is you can ship all that stuff directly to them, uh, thanks to the fine folks at Amazon.com, and then have him put it together. So yes. Uh, matter of fact, I think moving forward, that's what I'm going to do. I think that will be Rose Bowl's revenge. All those nights that I basically were was up throughout the night, their childhood, I'm going to get revenge. I'm going to drop ship all this stuff directly to them, and they're going to have to put it together. And I might wait and let it all get there like the 23rd or 24th. I think that's what I'm going to do. I'm inspired by this. Uh, uh, the wife, Miss Rose Bowl, ordered a uh, kind of a princess village type thing for our granddaughter's bedroom. And I know that my son and, and my lovely daughter-in-law will spend um, uh, tonight and tomorrow probably putting that thing together. So there you go. There you go. Because, you know, the gifts get a lot more expensive when they get older, but you don't have to buy as many. doesn't require any uh, manual labor. So that's what we're going to do. I've decided that right this very moment, every year for Christmas, I'm going to have all my grandkids drop ship stuff that requires a lot of assembly. And uh, their parents are going to put it together. I'm not. I'm not going to do it. But uh, best of luck to all of you that kind of work through this. I know many of you have young kids. and You know what it's like. My heart goes out to you. I hope you live long enough to get to this day when you can kind of revisit all this and get revenge on your own kids. It's wonderful. It really is. Uh, I'm still out in Albuquerque for a few more days, and then uh, I'll be on vacation next week. As I told you guys, programming note, there will be a Monday show probably later on Monday. I can't promise you a Wednesday show. We'll see. There will not be a Friday show. I can assure you of that. There won't be a Friday show and probably not a Monday show. We'll take a little bit of a hiatus. So we'll go ahead and preview. I guess maybe we'll do the Wednesday show on Tuesday. That's probably what we'll do. We'll do a Monday show and then Tuesday night I'll do you guys a Wednesday show. I think that's I think I, I think I can do that. I think. I can't promise that. We'll see. I gotta pick up uh, the bride at the airport in Orlando Wednesday night. So I'm still kind of deciding. Yeah, I may not feel like driving on Tuesday. 
I might just want to be with you guys on Tuesday, at least Tuesday morning, and then uh, leave and drive to Florida. But nevertheless, uh, good times, good times. I want to tell you guys, too, if you, if you don't know this already, the final on-campus practice for, for Mississippi State football will take place on Friday. And then we will dismiss the team for Christmas. We will allow them to go home. Many of them will return to Starkville here in a couple days and kind of rally with the group, and they will fly commercial down to Tampa. There will be others that will drive to Tampa, others that will uh, take their own flights, and then we'll rendezvous down there and have our final practices of the bowl preparation on site there in Tampa, Florida. So that all will take place uh, here in the next few days. I think it's important for you to kind of understand that. Uh, a very interesting top ten list today. You know, we didn't do one for the signing day spectacular. I'm still excited about this this uh, signing class. I, I am. And uh, still some work to do. But, uh, again, man, what a absolutely incredible job Zach Arnett and the staff did getting this class to bed and only losing Joe Crocker. And to be honest with you, State didn't fight very hard to keep him. And so that's one of those things you look at, too. It's like, hey, yeah, we lost a guy, but probably not a difference maker in the class. And again, that's not really a shot at Joe. I think Joe will be a good college player. I don't think Joe is going to win or lose us any ball games. Make sense? But uh, yeah, here we are. And uh, I'll tell you guys, too, I, I'm eager to get back to Mississippi. I'll make a couple more trips to New Mexico. I'll make one in January, and then I'll be back out here around Valentine's Day. And then the bride will be coming home for good. But uh, I've met some cool people out here. I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't want to be here full time. It's beautiful here. The roads are terrible. Uh, the people aren't quite as hospitable as they are in the South. But it's different. It is. It's not to say that people are rude or standoffish. It's just they're not used to you holding the door open for them. And they kind of look at you funny. And they're certainly not going to hold the door open for you. But uh, it is a different place. It is a different place. This is my third trip out here. I was here, what, in September? And then went down to Arizona and covered the game down there. And then I was I was here in uh, November. I'm back now. I plan to be back in January and then uh, February. So... And then hopefully that'll be it. And then if I never come back to Albuquerque, New Mexico, that's fine too. I will tell you my lunch plans for today for you Breaking Bad fans. I have eaten here a couple times uh, at, a, at a place called the Doghouse. Well, where else would a Mississippi State guy eat other than a doghouse, right? Well, it's a, it is a very, very famous part of the Breaking Bad series. If you've seen Breaking Bad, you have seen the Doghouse. And uh, the onion rings there are outstanding. It's kind of like a better version of Sonic to be quite honest with you. I like to get that uh, that chili cheese dog, that foot-long chili cheese coney with no onions, because you know my feelings about onions. And I've said this before. You can look it up yourself. Uh, I think people that have put onions in potato salad are probably going to hell. Uh, so I don't get the onions, but I do get the onion rings. What can I say? I am a riddle wrapped inside an enigma. But uh, looking forward to that. We'll get some rest. We'll get up, and um, we'll go eat a chili cheese dog. What could be better than that on Maroon Friday? Got some maroon with me to wear uh, today once I get back up. But uh, And then uh, we got date night on Friday night, and then it'll be Christmas Eve. If there's no gifts to exchange, we'll just kind of hang out and watch Netflix and uh, just enjoy each other's company. And I hope you get a chance to do that too. I hope you get a chance to kind of get some rest 
and enjoy your friends and family. Uh, my kids are getting ready to, to uh, head down to Florida to rendezvous with mom and dad. They'll go to Disney and Universal. That's part of their Christmas uh, on Monday and Tuesday. And then we'll all get together and have a family day on Thursday. And, and again, I share that all the time with you guys. There is nothing more important than time with family. Nothing. Kids spell love, T-I-M-E, period. No matter how old they get, I had a discussion with my kids tonight, you know, just making sure the faucets are dripping there in Starkville. And I uh, hope you guys are all okay as you uh, deal with this Arctic blast all around the country, especially in the South. We're not, our infrastructure is not really equipped, you know, for all that. But uh, Ian, my youngest, was making a comment, you know, about they'd rather text than call. And I said, you know what? It's going to come a time in your life you're going to meet your person. You're going to meet your person and that just talking to them on the phone or FaceTiming with them will change the direction of your day. And when you get to be a parent, sometimes you want to hear your kid's voice because you know how it is. Sometimes you can just hear in their voice. It's something's not quite right. You're not going to pick that up on a text. And so I'm a big proponent you know, for calling and talking on the phone with the people you love. Now, And I can tell you, there's a lot of people I do business with, and they'll tell you, I, I'll, I'll decline you in a hurry and send you a text because I don't always have time to do it. And I uh, don't really want to have this drawn-out conversation. But, uh, but nevertheless, make some time for your kids, uh, your significant others. And I can promise you, more times than not, you have not spent enough on your wife or husband or girlfriend or boyfriend. You probably haven't spent enough, no matter what they tell you. They'll say, hey, let's not go, let's don't do it big this Christmas. Do it anyway. Do it anyway. I, I learned that from my dad. Freddie Robertson was my dad, and uh, he always made a big deal out of my stepmom, Dolores' birthday. Always did. And every year for Christmas, he'd always have a present hidden somewhere that would just magically show up on Christmas morning, and she would cry almost every time. And then some years, she would guess right, and she would buy him something special, too, but uh, my dad, a very, very thoughtful husband, and uh, really feel like that he lived the last years of his life, the best years of his life with uh, his wife, Dolores. And, and uh, I love her. We call her Mama D. But uh, she is a tremendous lady, and uh, we don't get to get together enough. That's unfortunate when you got a big family. But uh, saw them for Thanksgiving. But uh, every year, I always spend more on my wife and she spends on me and occasionally like she'll she'll surprise me she's like I'm not getting caught with this again but the older that I get the more giving matters to me nothing makes me happier for birthdays Christmas or holidays to to really give I mean I get such a kick like when I was here to see my wife here uh you know a few weeks ago and I brought all her Christmas stuff and because I, I wanted to see her open it. I mean, yeah, I could just ship it out here. But I bought a bunch of stuff around Starkville. I could buy local. I brought it with me. And nothing gave me a bigger thrill. Even though there was nothing for me to open, nothing gave me a bigger thrill than to watch her open the things that I'd personally selected for her. And so I take a lot of pride in that. And, again, I get that from my dad. And I hope that you're one of those people, too, that uh, you want to outgive other people, not because it's a contest, but because you get so much joy from actually giving to people you love. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company. I, I do, and I'm, that's one of the first places I'm going to go when I get back. It's one of the last places I went before I left. I uh, had the BLT salad uh, with the Pepper family, and uh, I love that BLT salad. I could have it for lunch. I could have it for dinner. It's very substantial. It's a great portion. I never walk away hungry. 
I had a hamburger today at a place up here. Well, I guess I had a hot dog, but uh, ate at a burger place up here. Good spot was wasn't Bulldog Burger Company, and nothing really is right. Enjoy the fact that you live near a Bulldog Burger Company. There are only three of them in the world, and Mississippi is proud to call each of them home. University Drive in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Have the spring rolls as your appetizer. They'll make you better looking and everybody around you. We all need more of that. Get the chocolate shake to go. I'm encouraging you now. Treat yourself a little bit. Get the chocolate shake to go. Matter of fact, I got on a scale today, and I'm under 200 pounds now. Yeah, got to get the wife back so I can get fattened up a little bit. But uh, So I'm going to be having a chocolate shake to go, man. It'd be like a daggum scarecrow running around here. But uh, nevertheless, Bulldog Burger Company, love them, and you will too. Go by and enjoy uh, a great restaurant-quality hamburger at Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. All right, our top story. There is news with the NCAA transfer portal of a positive nature as it relates to Mississippi State. Now, there is one situation that appears to be trending in a very good situation, and that's Xavion Thomas. A lot of people were disappointed when he went in the portal. There was a lot of chatter about him going to LSU. That didn't work out. Then there was talk about him. We're kind of reconnecting with Louisville. Not sure where things stand there, but I understand that he has had a conversation with Zach Arnett. And there is a penance of some sort, right? You get those guys to come back. A few conditions they got to meet. But it does appear that Xavion Thomas, in the days to come, will pull his name out of the NCAA transfer portal and return to Mississippi State. That's not definite yet, but I understand that the conversation between Xavion and the Mississippi State coaching staff has taken place, and Xavion has expressed an interest in rejoining the team. Now, what does that mean for the bowl game? Well, he's missed all the on-campus bowl practices. I I think people would say, well, Stevie shouldn't play. Here's my take on that. I would leave it up to the team. I would. I would have, you know, let let the captains get together, make their pitches on why a guy should or shouldn't play, and then go from there. I I think if I'm the coaches here, I'm going to go along with the players. And the players have worked behind the scenes. I am told that uh, more than a dozen of them, namely Tulu Griffin, have recruited him to remain in maroon and white. And so I feel pretty confident that if that's the case, if Arnett decides, all right, let's open it up and let the players decide if they want him to play, then I think that uh, things would be positive. Now, Zach may feel differently. Zach may say, you know what, the guy went in the portal, he missed a couple weeks of practice. Been a very emotional time here. He wasn't here with the team. And so we're not going to play him in the bowl game. We'll see him with our first uh, post-bowl game workout. That's a possibility too. But I can tell you, I'm a big guy when it comes to reconciliation. I don't like drama in life. I don't like drama on the team. And yes, there's got to be a piece of accountability here. There, there does, right? At the end of the day, he, he did quit the team and sought to leave the program now he has maybe seen the air of his ways and says, you know what, I'm going to come on back. I think you welcome him back with open arms. I don't think you have this hard line thing. Now, I think also, too, you got to be careful about the message you send to the rest of the program, right? That's why I think you involve the other players. Just my personal opinion. Maybe I'm completely wrong about that, but that's how I feel about it. Now, I've also had contact with Dylan Johnson. I heard a rumor earlier today that Dylan may leave the portal. Now, I don't think that situation is nearly as settled 
is what we're seeing with Xavion. I think Xavion Thomas's situation could be resolved by Monday of next week. Could be done tomorrow or to later today, right? I mean, that's the thing. It's, you know, we're on break, but it's not a big deal to remove his name from the portal. A lot of times they do it. It doesn't show up to the next business day. But uh, the thing with Dylan Johnson is Dylan has taken some visits, and uh, he tells me he is still deciding between four schools. Mississippi State's one of those schools. Now, what it's going to take for Dylan Johnson to come back I think is maybe a commitment for us to run the football more. And you can call that an educated guess. Who state chooses to be the offensive coordinator, I think will be a big factor in Dylan Johnson's decision. I think that's an important thing to understand. This is not done, but state remains a viable option for Dylan Johnson. Now, he tweeted out some things. I was very critical of that. I remain very critical of that. There is a way to handle things and a way not to. I also was very pleased at his comments after Mike Leach's passing. I think it showed a lot of maturity. I, I think it also showed that uh, he was very sympathetic. I think it showed his true character. I think that's more indicative of who Dylan is than maybe a tweet sent out, maybe an emotion. He also made some comments on television. Uh, about Mike Leach and about his passing, and I thought Dylan handled it with class and dignity. And so, yes, I would absolutely take Dylan Johnson back. Now, I don't think he makes a decision until sometime in January when it's time to enroll, so the chances of him being in this ballgame are non-existent, right? It's not going to happen. But that doesn't change the fact that we need him. And you begin to think about J.J. Jernigan goes to the portal, uh, Bull Hargrove goes in the portal, and then uh, Dylan Johnson goes in the portal. And so now you're looking at this, you know, Simeon Price and Woody Marks kind of figuring this thing out in the ballgame. But I, I, I would take Dylan Johnson back. I would not have any second guesses about that. I wouldn't have any second thoughts about that. I take him back. Dylan Johnson, uh, I think, got some bad advice. I think in his heart, Dylan Johnson is a bulldog. I think he always has been. I think he always will be. And I think maybe the reality of the situation is beginning to set in. And one of the things I'll tell you guys, too, Dylan Johnson is a father. Dylan Johnson is very active in his son's life, DJ Jr. And there are some times that it's just DJ and DJ Jr. It's important to understand that aspect of it. He's got to do what's best for he and his son. It's not just a solo act. DJ's got to think about his kid. And, and maybe that's a good thing for State, right? Because I don't know that I'd want to go to Washington and be that far away from my support system uh, trying to finish up my college career and hopefully get some looks from pro scouts. And so it's a very um, layered decision for Dylan. But my hope is is that he'll return. That's my hope. But, again, don't expect him for the ballgame. And, again, he's not there yet. He's not. Xavion appears to be. Dylan's not there yet. But the door is open, I think, for D.J., uh, to come back. Now, he would likely have to have a conversation with Zach Arnett, too. And people have asked me, do you think that these opportunities would have opened up if Zach Arnett had been the coach? Um, probably not, to be quite honest with you. I think if you bring somebody else in, they're not going to look in those terms because they don't have a relationship with these players. They didn't recruit these guys. They haven't been around when these guys have uh, you know, had to go to study hall or perhaps, uh, you know, had difficulty with a class or had some personal issues, whatever. You know, it's like you build up a currency in a relationship 
And so you're a little more likely to be forgiving to people you know. But if you don't have a relationship with them, it's like, oh, this kid quit the team, went in the portal. Okay, he's finished. We're done. We're not going to take the guy. I don't want the guy. That's how life works a lot of times. But because of the fact that DJ has been such a huge part of this program for the last three years and has really been a bulldog in every aspect, you got to let him come back. You just do. Dylan Johnson is the Mississippi State story. He really is. He's very, 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 uh, you know, it it's almost kind of personifies what it means to be a Bulldog. That's why I think people were so hurt when DJ went in because they identified with him. Small-town Mississippi kid, uh, was a great athlete, worked his way up, chose to stay home, and people can get behind a story like that because, you know, it, it kind of it's kind of indicative of who we are. We're always kind of been the underdogs, and I think that's why some people felt a certain level of betrayal. And at the end of the day, too, Dylan's got to do what's best for him and his kid. But I think now, and you can see some of this on the jeanspage.com message boards, I think the, by and large people are like, you know what, let's just let bygones be bygones. Let's just put this behind us. If you've ever been to one of those situations, like, a, like I've got a friend of mine, I won't say his name because I won't embarrass him, one of my best friends in the world, one of the best friends I've ever had. There are times that he's gotten a little too deep in the jug and he'll call Rose Bowl late at night or he'll text me or whatever and, you know, he's got these wild stories and everything else. And then I won't talk to him for a couple days. He's like, hey, what's going on? Well, you know, I got a drunk call, a drunk text. I'm just not, I can't accept that behavior, man. You know, you can't do it. He's like, oh, I don't even remember I did it. That's why I know you didn't. I said, but instead of us getting into some big thing, let's just kind of get beyond it. And then that's what you do, you know, when you love other people. You give people room to be human. Because we expect that. I mean, you know, like you, we should offer forgiveness maybe as often as we ask for forgiveness. And, and I'm a person that has to ask all the time, at least once a day. I'll, I'll ask my wife something. I'll be insecure about something or overthink something. I'll have to ask her something. And she's like, no, what are you talking about, crazy? You know, and I'm like, I'm sorry. I should have known better. You know, that's what happens. But when you love somebody, you're willing to overlook that kind of stuff. And I think that's the situation here with DJ. I think our fans love Dylan Johnson. And you see it out there on social media. People are like, hey, you know, we're going to root for you wherever you go. And you know you mean that, but you know it still hurts a little bit to say that because you want him so bad to finish his career at Mississippi State. You want him to be a Bulldog and hopefully get his name called in a draft someday. You hope that we hire an offensive coordinator that will run a more modern version of the air raid offense. And to this point, we don't really know if that's the case. We don't really know what Zach Arnett's going to do when it comes to offensive philosophy. We don't know. You know, there's a lot of discussion about, you know, what potential coaching changes would come. I'm not going to speculate on that. I don't expect you're going to see many on the defensive side of the football. We'll just say that. I think you could see a couple guys on the offensive side move along. And a lot of that probably – listen, everybody's looking. Anybody that tells you they're not, it's kidding yourself. Like, they've got agents for a reason. They're always looking for the better deal. It's a business. You have to look at it as such. That's not to say we haven't had some very loyal lieutenants under Mike Leach. Mike Leach, sadly, is not going to be here anymore. So there may be some guys that say, you know what, hey, I want to get off his train and maybe go somewhere else. Uh, we saw it last year with Dave Nickel. I mean, Dave Nickel's a Leach guy too, but Dave Nickel and, and Lincoln Riley and Dave Emmerich are as thick as thieves. So Lincoln gets that job, hires Dave Emmerich, and uh, he and Sarah go out there with their family, and then Dave goes out there, and sadly Dave passes away. But there are other guys out there that are kind of leech disciples that have a relationship with your assistant coaches, especially on the offensive side of the football. 
Now, as we've talked about, Steve Spurrier Jr. is going to call the plays in the bowl game. And a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, you read Zach Arnett's comments, so people take that out of context. Mike Leach always had a contingency plan. That's not just related to this year. Has always said, okay, if then what? If this happens, then this is what we do. This is how we handle it. And so Steve Spurrier, the veteran assistant on the offensive side of the football, understands the Leach vision, understands uh, the nuance of the offense and kind of setting things up. And this play call lets us know how they're going to defend this and that. So, you know, Spurrier Jr. is going to call that. Does that mean Steve is going to be a leading candidate for the OC job? I, I don't know that I, I don't know if that's the case. And again, I don't expect any changes until after the bowl game. I just don't. I, I think right now everybody's locked in trying to go win this game. I think a lot of people want to go out there and do what they can to kind of close out the Mike Leach era with the victory. It's his team. He won't be the guy on the headset, obviously. But I think a lot of people feel a sense of obligation, a sense of loyalty to go out there and brew their very best to win this football game. And I think that's an important aspect of this. I think a lot of people right now is like, you know what, I've got an agent. They can deal with this. They can fill the offers. They can see maybe if there's a better deal elsewhere. Maybe this enables me to get a better deal from Mississippi State. But right now we're focused on Illinois, as we should be. We've made it through the Leach Memorial. We've made it through a very difficult situation. We've made it through the December signing period. And now we can kind of get tunnel vision a little bit and I thought Arnett said it best. You know, initially, you got to take care of your players. You got to retain your players. You got to have a relationship with them. And, and our, our players have been through something that most college football players never experience the loss of the big whistle, right? I mean, that's just, that never happens. And so that's been the focus of the staff take care of our players, get the recruits taken care of, and then, you know, prepare for a bowl game. Well, now you've kind of got the roster settled. You've got signing day settled. Now you go focus on this, and then the next thing you know, you're turning right back around when you get back from the bowl game and you're, uh, you're hosting visitors. You're hosting portal prospects, trying to get them into class before the spring semester starts. I want to talk about that too. I know Georgia uh, released a thing that Rara has signed with Georgia, and I want to explain that as best I can. I touched on it a little bit yesterday. He signed an SEC financial aid agreement with Georgia. Now, what that does is it prohibits him from signing with any other SEC school. But he is not necessarily bound to Georgia because he didn't sign a national letter of intent. Transfers don't do that. I think they should. I think that's part of the process and probably something that the, uh, you know, the national letter of intent people need to kind of look into. I think if you do that, there is some finality in this because we saw, you know, last year we saw a couple of quarterbacks announced as signees prior to enrollment that ended up going somewhere else. There needs to be a binding document for transfers. There is for everybody else. There is for junior college players and high school players like, and once they sign that, they're bound to a school, at least for a year. And so that's something you, you think of. But Rara, let's say that Miami wanted Rara. There is nothing right now that could prevent Miami from recruiting Rara Thomas. We saw that last year. Like, you know, states trying to get everything, you know, hemmed up and, and get, um, you know, get their transfers done. And then there were some schools that were still recruiting our players. Because just because they have committed 
doesn't mean that they're bound to us. So Rara can't go anywhere else in the SEC, but could go outside of the conference. I don't expect that to happen. I mean, why would you? I mean, you get a chance to go play for the defending NFL champions. You're going to do that. And uh, there are a lot of people that are kind of bitter about the rah-rah thing. Rah-rah's got to do what's best for rah-rah. Mississippi State has to do what's best for Mississippi State. It's important for everybody to understand that. The world is a will to power in and of itself. Simple as that. At the end of the day, we're all looking out for ourselves. There's a lot of people out there that do a better job of that than others. But there were some people, too, that um, I I saw some social media commentary that was kind of comical today that some people suggested uh, once Rara went in the portal that he had known that he was going to Ole Miss back in October, and then he goes out there and beats Ole Miss and lays there and gets trashed on at him, and then he's supposed to go to Ole Miss. I mean, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, that's uh, Obviously, I, I'm happier he's at Georgia than at Ole Miss because I don't want to have to listen to the Malik Heat 2.0 propaganda, right? <clears throat> We're done with Georgia for a while. That's an interesting thing, too. We will play Georgia, what, three out of the last five years, and we probably won't see him again until the schedule rotation changes. But uh, Rai-Rai did sign an SEC financial. So he's, there's no way he's coming back. There was, there was no chance of it anyway. But he's not going, to, got, not going to Ole Miss. So I think, you know, thank the Lord for small favors, right? So we won't see Rai-Rai on the field unless somehow we both make the SEC championship game. Not expecting that. But, uh, yeah, good luck, Rai-Rai. Go make it happen. Hope it all works out for you. I really do. And uh, now Mississippi State's you know, getting Xavion back, and now maybe you just need one portal wide receiver instead of two. So I think that gives you a little bit of urgency as you're recruiting these guys out of the portal and say, hey, we're recruiting four or five of you guys. There's one spot. There's one. You want to play on the air raid or not? You just never know how things are going to play out. But, uh, again, could be some good things happening in the portal for State as it relates to current players returning to the roster. That is always significant. Anytime a guy withdraws from the portal, which is a rarity, and now it could potentially happen with two players that you guys are very, very fond of. So we're hoping for good news there. Again, the Xavier Thomas thing we think is really close to happening, not official yet. The Dylan Johnson thing is not close, uh, unless he wakes up tomorrow and changes his mind. But the reality of it is we don't expect DJ to make a decision for a few more weeks or a couple more weeks. So uh, just kind of hang in there with us. We'll update you as you go. as we go. You can find updates uh, over jeanspage.com on a true maroon forum. We do our best to kind of keep you updated. But at the end of the day, I think getting both of those players back is big for Mississippi State. If we could make that happen, I think it's a very, very, very positive thing. All right, time for today's top ten list is always brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. Blair Chandler is a mortgage professional and a good friend of mine, a good friend of yours. It pays to have a friend on the inside. Many of you have had the dream of home ownership be elusive in your life. Now is the time to work with a professional like Blair. 21 years of experience in the industry, top 1% close ratio in the country, two years running. Blair is a guy that will be your advocate with underwriting. He will make things happen. Give him a call or text today at 601-500-2344. Again, that's 601-500-2344. If you mention to him you heard about him on the barnyard, he will pay for your appraisal. That's nice. A lot of fees associated with getting a mortgage done, and Blair's prepared to save you a little cash. Hit him up today, and you can find more information at closewithblair.com. I'd also encourage you to follow him on social media. He does a lot of helpful videos on Instagram, kind of letting you know what's going on. 
All right, so I figured since I'm out in New Mexico, not a huge fan of the place, but uh, I said, you know, it's scenic out here. There's got to be some good music. There's not a lot that strikes my fancy, but I will tell you this. Your good friend and host has worked extremely hard today to put a list together. And some of it's a bit of a stretch. They even tried to, to claim Bo Diddley. They even uh, tried to claim Glenn Campbell. And uh, we're not going to go along with that. So these are artists that have had their start and or were based out of New Mexico. We're going to start with number 10, a band called Mother Mercy. Sean Scott, a drummer, is from Albuquerque. And we're going to go with the song Give Me a Scratch off their uh, debut album. It's kind of like 80s metal that was recorded in the late 90s. And to be fair, the quality is about what you'd expect. But Sean Scott is a guy that's very accomplished. Uh, The band also uh, did a cover of Girls, Girls, Girls on the Motley Crue tribute album. He uh, raised some money uh, for the uh, Schuyler Neal Foundation. Yeah, it's Vince's daughter that passed away to juvenile cancer. He was also in a Motley cover band that had Neil Wharton, Vince's son, as the lead singer. So, you know, I'm a Motley guy, so anytime we can talk Motley on the show, we will. So, Sean Scott was the, the Tommy Lee version of the cover band, the tribute band, I guess we'd call it. So, Mother Mercy, Give Me a Scratch, some original material there. They recorded two albums, and then he went into punk for a while. All right, number nine, uh, a band that has had quite a career. And this is a list, too. It's very diverse. There is something for everybody on this list. It's the music of New Mexico. But this is a band, too, that uh, has sold a ton of records. And I don't know that I had ever heard of them to put this thing together. And they're a little more kind of alt-pop. It's a band called The Shins. And I went with Simple Song from them. Simple Song from the Shins, number nine on your list. Number eight, going back about 60 years. A band called the Fireballs. They're from Raton, New Mexico. They went to number one on the charts with a song called Sugar Shack. You may have heard it. It's about two minutes in length. Radio DJs of the time loved those shorter songs. But they were called the Fireballs because they won a talent contest here in Albuquerque and they covered Jerry Lee Lewis's Great Balls of Fire and got a standing ovation. They became the Fireballs after that. Big, big hits for them. Number seven, and an artist that is really intriguing to me, he uh, was originally born, I believe, in California, grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico, Moved to Syracuse, New York, took up jazz theory there, went to Spain for a while and learned flamenco. This guy is an incredible guitarist. His name is Eric McFadden. I listened to probably a dozen songs of his, and I tell you, this guy is incredibly talented. He's worked with Fishbone and many other people. Kind of a hidden gem here, Eric McFadden. We went with the song Devil Moon. From Eric McFadden is your number seven song. Number six, a band from the 80s, fronted by an incredibly talented and beautiful female lead singer. It's a band called Femme Fatale. Had a couple of big hits. Their biggest one was Waiting for the Big One. That's your number six song, Femme Fatale's Waiting for the Big One, also originally based out of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Couldn't get discovered here, but they built quite a following. They moved to LA 
got a record deal, put a couple of band, a couple of songs together, and the next thing you know, they're on MTV. Number five, I was listening to this band today as I pulled into the parking lot of Laguna Burger to meet my new friend Matt, who is a Starkville native living in Albuquerque for the second time. Works for the University of New Mexico. Really, really nice guy. Even went as far as it to invite me and the wife to a, uh, a, a Christmas Eve church service. I don't know if we make it, but it was awfully nice of him to offer. And the, the, the reason I say we may not make it, it's the only full day off my wife has the entire time I'm here. So we'll see how things go. But I was jamming this band. I love this band. Um, they were, I think they were probably maybe produced a little bit too late. They were kind of at the end of the uh, 80s metal scene. But it's a band called Hurricane. And Kelly, the singer from Hurricane, is now the singer in Foreigner. So if you're familiar with Foreigner's work since Lou Graham has left, you know Kelly's work. But Kelly, an incredible vocalist. I loved those uh, first couple of albums. Slave to the Thrill was amazing. And then, of course, uh, Over the Edge, phenomenal. So, uh, let me make sure I can read my writing here. Jay Shellen was a guitar player in Hurricane, also a guy from Albuquerque, New Mexico. So we went with the song On to You from Hurricane, and the guitar on this is phenomenal. The production value of this song, incredible. The vocal, amazing. Love this song. Number four, Randy Castillo, and God bless Randy Castillo. We lost Randy uh, several years ago to cancer. There's a documentary out there about Randy. I haven't watched it yet. I don't know what platform it's on now. Eddie Trunk used to always talk about it. Randy Castillo, his, probably the peak of his career is when he was the, the drum, drummer for Ozzy Osbourne. And that's the uh, Mike Inez, Zach Wilde type uh, lineup there. And uh, so he was on the No Rest for the Wicked album. He eventually was the fill-in drummer for Motley Crue on tour when Tommy Lee had left the band to do Methods of Mayhem. And so Randy is also from Albuquerque, New Mexico. And so we went with an Aussie standard, a song called Breaking All the Rules. And uh, there is a little offbeat pattern as you come out of the guitar solo that used to always bug me. And now I've kind of just appreciated it for what it is. But Breaking All the Rules from No No Rest for the Wicked is your number four song today. Uh, Number three, and this is a bit of a stretch, but this guy has had remarkable success as a rapper. Originally from Seattle. Uh, He moved to New Mexico uh, as a college student and uh, went to the University of Santa Fe. Was unsuccessful in his quest to join the music program at the University of Santa Fe. So he packed up and he moved back to Seattle. However, he credits his time that he really became uh, committed as a rapper during his time here in Santa Fe, New Mexico. So they claim him here. And we're talking about Macklemore. Macklemore, not from New Mexico, but really kind of got his start in music here in New Mexico. And we're going with the debut song, Thrift Shop. Thrift Shop, number three on the list. Many of you like that song. Wanted to give them uh, the the chance here. Now, The Princess of the Desert here is also from Albuquerque. And uh, you talk to people around here, they're awfully proud of her. She's also a person that's in recovery. And there were some people that took some very, very um, cruel shots at her as she struggled with addiction for a while. She was a teen superstar had some issues, got sober, and the direction of her music has kind of changed. She's a little more in your face now. I'm talking about Demi Lovato 
Uh, my girls will be really happy. They love Demi Lovato. But uh, Cool for the Summer is the name of the track for number two. Cool for the Summer for Demi Lovato. And I uh, really hope Demi does well. Number one, you may not know this. You probably thought, you know what, Stevie's from West Virginia. No, he's from Colorado. No, he's not. John Denver is from Roswell, New Mexico. I didn't know that until today. I was 50 years of age. I was today years of age when I found out John Denver is a native of New Mexico. Now, he was buried in Colorado, and sadly, we lost John Denver at the age of 53, died in a plane crash. But John Denver, what, 33 albums that were either platinum or gold? The Mississippi guy that wrote America's music for a while. An incredible career. And a lot of people claim ownership of John Denver. But only one place was home. That's Roswell, New Mexico. So John Denver, we're going with Take Me Home Country Roads. And we could have gone a lot of different directions there. But John Denver, the best-selling musical artist from the state of New Mexico. So there you go. So I hope you learned something today. Again, a very diverse list. I never thought we'd see a lot of these artists together on the same list. But the music of New Mexico, I figured let's pay homage to the great musical artists that hail from the land of enchantment. So here we are. That's what we do on a top ten list. We try to expand your horizons a little bit. But I'm telling you now, if you only learn this one thing from me today, is that Eric McFadden is worthy of a listen to you. You're going to like this Devil Moon song. You're going to really dig it. And I'm going to encourage you to dig a little deeper in the catalog. And while we're giving out recommendations, if go listen to those first two Hurricane albums. They will absolutely knock your socks off. And you'll be thinking, these guys were so much better than a lot of their contemporaries in the 80s metal scene. They just were. The musicianship was incredible. But uh, Dance Little Sisters, no, I almost went in that direction for the Hurricane. That's probably the best track on uh, on Slave to the Thrill, an incredible song. But uh, dig into those catalogs. I think you're going to be happy with what you find. But again, Eric McFadden, that's a very intriguing artist and a guy that is very proficient at other genres as a guitar player. And you can hear that um, in his catalog. This is a guy, a lot, a lot of people have this cookie-cutter approach to music, but I was very impressed with what I heard from Eric uh, McFadden. That's the top ten list for today. If you have ideas for the top ten list, reach out and let us know. Uh, best way to do that is to hit up Roy on Twitter. Roy Samante is uh, well compensated for his efforts that he provides to this show. Uh, he gets nothing. Uh, but Roy is an incredible friend of mine. And uh, matter of fact, he texted me and my wife earlier today and said, man, I'm glad you guys are together. We'll ring our cowbells for you out in Tampa. Roy, appreciate that. And, uh, you know, Roy, can matter of fact, when, uh, when we were out here for the Arizona game, Dana sat with Roy and his friends while I covered the game. You know, so Roy's a good friend. A guy you can trust having your wife sit next to at a ball game, right? And we all need friends like that. Earlier in my life, I didn't have a lot of friends like that, but uh, but I do. And so I appreciate Roy. But find him on Twitter at Dogmatic67. I would encourage you to follow him. He doesn't post pictures of his food and things like that. You know, he just kind of tweets about stuff that matters. doesn't tweet a whole lot. Usually what he's tweeting out is our list. And you can find our great list on Spotify at Dogmatic67 as well. Be sure and check it out. Thanks so much for your support of the top 10 list. And as always, uh, go check out our friend Blair Chandler at closewithblair.com. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. I'm a big proponent of Campus Bookmart. I liked Campus Bookmart a long time before uh, they were sponsoring the show. I encourage you when you're in town, go by and see their smiling faces. Very easy to find right there on the backside of campus. 
Campus Book Mart, A-Star Building and Institution. They even have that free parking lot for commuter students, too. How about that? They're committed to this fan base. There are a lot of people out there that want your dollars. These people deserve it. The best selection of Mississippi State merchandise in the universe. If you don't believe me, go see for yourself. The first floor, completely renovated, the bully shop is now all upstairs. It's allowed them to expand their selection of Mississippi State merchandise. If you can't make it to town, I encourage you to visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmart.net. All right, let's talk a little basketball. Of course, we kind of touched on it yesterday. Uh, Mississippi State men's basketball drops their first game. Offensive woes finally caught up with us, and we knew at some point that they would. We knew that, and that's kind of what happened. We felt like this Drake team was capable of, uh, of winning this game. They do. And it's disappointing. I mean, it's like it, you can't really sniff an 11-1 non-conference schedule and say, you know what, hey, that, that, that didn't go well for us. It went exceptional for us, but we lose 58-52. to And if you notice here as of late, you know, teams are starting to kind of spell us on defense a little bit. You know, earlier, you know, nobody had scored more than 55 points against us. Well, our last three opponents have uh, surpassed that total. Jackson State put up. 59. Nickel State put up 66. And then Drake picks up, picks up 58 in a win uh, against us out on a neutral court in Lincoln, Nebraska. And so you want to have some juice going into the conference schedule. And, and you hate that you lost this ball game. It's like the illustrious hind dog calls me and he goes, man, I hate we lost that basketball game. And, and I do too. I do too. I, I hate losing at any point. I'm never going to sit here and give you a moral victory speech. But, uh, you know, we pretty much – led in this ball game and just kind of let it get away from us. I mean, it is a eight-point lead at the break uh, for the Bulldogs. And you start thinking, okay, we're going to we're gonna be okay here. In the second half, you know, Drake kind of took it to us there in the second half. And that's, that's part of it. I mean, you're going to have some games out there where everything's falling for everybody else. But, you know, you sit here and you watch this thing, you watch this thing, and you go back and look at the numbers. I mean, State is up by 10. After Deshaun Davis' uh, three-pointer, uh, and that's just before the 16-minute mark, we trade threes there. State pushes it back out to eight. They cut it to five. Next thing you know, it is a three-point game uh, right at the 12-minute mark. State goes back up four. We go one for two on the free-throw line, and then we give up a layup, makes it a two-point game. And then in 11 minutes, uh, Sadar Calhoun rams home a three to give them the lead. State comes back. It kind of goes back and forth for a while, and then Calhoun again makes a big three to give them a lead. State comes back. It's back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, and we get down late here, and State. then it looks like State is going to exert themselves. Keyshawn Murphy rams home a three to give State a five-point lead just under six minutes. The lead didn't last a full minute. Next thing you know, it's a 47-46 game in favor of Drake, and then State again, Cam Matthews. Uh, picking up down low there, making a big basket for State. He just subbed into the ball game, makes a play. And then it's Calhoun again, making the three-point shot. The game is tied with two minutes and ten seconds to go, and you think this is normally closing time for us. Well, it wasn't here. Even though there was a lot of baskets scored late, with just over a minute to play, Roman Penn hits a jumper to give them a four-point lead. Deshaun Davis answers, 
It's a two-point game with 52 seconds to go. We end up having a foul, uh, and they knock in a you know a couple free throws to make it a four-point game with nine seconds to go, and then we foul again late, and they make those two, and so they end up winning by six. But this is a ball game Mississippi State should have won, should have won. Offensive execution finally got to us, and then of course, you know you have some guy that just has a big night against you, and that seems to happen occasionally. Sometimes you have somebody that. Uh, Kind of steps up and makes a big play for them. Uh, Eric Reed led the way for State with 11 points. Tolu with nine uh, and just six rebounds. And it was clear they were con- they were intent on not letting him uh, do some things. Some foul trouble uh, really got him you know, somewhat restricted there in the second half. But uh, DJ Jeffries kind of disappeared a little bit for us here. Just three points for him, even though 35 minutes. And so uh, while he helped out on the glass and led the team with eight rebounds, he also had six turnovers. Not a good night for DJ. And when you have games like that where it boils down to just a couple possessions, you just can't do it. But uh, you know, 20 of 52 from the floor for the Bulldogs, 7 of 19 for three. We didn't get to the line enough, 5 of 9. Not that we're a great free throw shooting team, but you got to put them in a defensive disadvantage there. Uh, Roman Penn led uh, Drake with 19 points, Tucker DeVries with 15, and then down the stretch, Sidar Calhoun was phenomenal. 5 of 11 from 3, 17 points on a night for him. None bigger than those baskets he hit late. And so, hey, you know, they just, they're 10 of 32 from 3, and then, you know, Calhoun has half of those. And so, perimeter defense has got to get better. It does. But, you know, you can't look at this and say, you know what, hey, it's a bad loss. Drake's a team that'll probably make the tournament. Uh, this isn't one of these, uh, you know, Ben Howland press conferences where, you know, you play somebody that, you know, oh, they're phenomenal. These guys can play. They're 9-3 and three overall and 1-1 one and one in, the, in, the, in the Missouri Valley. So this is a team that is expected to do some big things this year, but they outscore State by 14 in the second half. That just can't happen. That absolutely can't happen. State will take some time off now and enjoy the Christmas break, and then we'll have a huge game against an excellent Alabama team in Humphrey Coliseum Wednesday, December the 28th. Now, we're trying to pack the hump. That's an 8 p.m. tip. It will be broadcast on the SEC Network, but I encourage you, if possible, be there. If you're not going to Tampa, or maybe perhaps you haven't left yet, make the trip up there. You know, we're going to have uh, – you know, the students aren't in yet. We're going to need you guys to be there. Everybody else who can be there, we need you to be there Need to create a very hostile environment here. State will then go on the road to play at Tennessee. So a very difficult draw for the Bulldogs right out of the gate. And then we'll be back uh, in the hump on January 7th. Students are back. Everybody's back. We get ready for a maroon out against Ole Miss in a Saturday afternoon matinee type game. But we really need a huge crowd against Alabama. Again, it's December 28th. Uh, tickets are going quickly. A lot of those are Alabama fans. So we need you to come out there and kind of help compete. All right, look at the women's side of things. Uh, you know, we go out there and we take care of the Suncoast Challenge. We beat Old Dominion 83-47. We destroyed New Mexico 87-58. Take that, Lady Lobos. So nearly a 30-point win there. Uh, and so, again, State, you want to end – the non-conference schedule with some juice. We've done that on the women's side. We've now won six in a row, 11-2 and two overall. And I think, again, we didn't schedule real heavy, but we have a couple of nice non-conference wins here. 
But the bottom line is, you know, we've got to find a way to go out here and win some ball games in the Southeastern Conference. And I think when you look at this group, you begin to realize this team is capable from scoring from all over on the floor. This is not a team that is just kind of limited to one or two scores. We can put the ball in the basket. Offensively, this team has come a long way here in the last uh, few weeks. You know, scoring over 70 points. UL Monroe put up 94 against them. But uh, we are a team that is playing well on both ends of the floor, and these games here as of late have not really been competitive. We'll get Vanderbilt in Nashville Thursday, December 29th. So that'll be next week. That's also an SEC Network Plus game. So you have to watch that on your app. I know many of you use those streaming platforms, and they've made it so much easier to navigate now these days. It's kind of the wave of the future. Kind of excited about that, too. It's so much easier nowadays to just go dial it up and pull it up on your uh, on your remote. So let's take a quick look at, uh, you know, at Vanderbilt. As... Uh, you know, that's a game that's coming up here pretty quickly. You know, and State has kind of had some success against Vanity. They're 9-5 this year. They've won three in a row. They're 6-2 and two on their home floor. And so every game that they've lost, um, you know, at home, you know, have been games you look at, and, and I guess you kind of scratch your head a little bit. You know, just a little bit. You begin to kind of wonder here. It's like, you know, hey, I, don't, I don't know about this. This Vanderbilt team has kind of been up and down. And so let's look at the schedule real quick here. Uh, they begin by winning uh, at Bowling Green against Western Kentucky. They then beat Samford by 30 in Nashville. They go on the road and play Columbia up in New York and win that game 74-23. They beat Tarleton State. They beat Austin P. So they begin the year on a five-game winning streak. Excuse me, a six-game winning streak. Or maybe it is five. Yeah, five-game winning streak. And then out of nowhere, St. Joseph's comes in and beats the Lady Commodores 67-59. That sparks a three-game losing streak as they go down to Cancun and play in the Women's Cancun Challenge. They lose to a very good NC State team and then lose by three to Northern Iowa. You don't expect that. They bounce back and beat USC Upstate. They then lose on the road at East Tennessee State and only score 31 points on the night, losing 44-31. You talk about playing down to the quality of your opponent. That again starts another losing streak. They lose to UT Martin in Nashville, 66-54. So pretty difficult stretch there. You know, for uh, they lose five of six. They have bounced back since then. They beat Louisiana Tech in Ruston. The late Texters used to be the national power. They beat them 75-70, and they take care of Lipscomb in Nashville, 72-71 in overtime. And then they beat Alabama A&M 76-46 here a couple days ago. So they entered the game with some, with some momentum, but very easily could have extended that losing streak. Again, they lost five of six, and then they lost you know two, two in-state opponents. And then they go uh, to take care of Louisiana Tech and Lipscomb. But, again, those are overtime games. So this is a Vanderbilt team. It's not playing exceptionally well, but it's a game we got to go get. If we're going to do anything in this tournament, this is a team we got to go get. Vanderbilt, at times, has been very good. I don't think, you know, based on the numbers and based on the results so far, you look at this and say, you know what, this is a game we should lose. Anytime you go on the road in the SEC, though, you know, you got to bring your hard hat and a pack of lunch. 
So we got to get out there and do a good job uh, against these ladies. And I think it'll be huge for Mississippi State if we can get uh, that W. And then we'll have uh, Ole Miss come in on New Year's Day. For those of you that are not in Tampa, we need you to be in Stargill, Mississippi. Against Ole Miss, it's a 5 p.m. tip, so you got a chance to come up there, have lunch at Bulldog Burger Company, and then head over to Humphrey Coliseum and then get home at a decent hour. It's a holiday anyway. Many of you will want to sit around and watch football, and I understand that. But the, the Lady Bulldogs need you there. And, again, that's a, last year we split with Ole Miss. That game in Humphrey Coliseum, you guys made the difference. We need you to turn out and be a part of this. It's huge. Huge, to say the least. But that's where we are right now on the uh, men's and women's basketball side. And, of course, you know, we're getting ready to kind of transition. Now we're in, in, in conference play. Once we get through the bowl season – This is where we're going to be. We're going to be looking at basketball, and I am very encouraged on both sides, as well we all should be. But we're about to find out what we really have in the weeks to come against Southeastern Conference competition. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by friends at Portico. I've told you guys before, if I was moving to Starkville now, I would move to Portico. Brooks Bryan is my friend. He's your friend. He's a friend of Starkville, friend of Mississippi State, part of two Omaha teams at Mississippi State. How about that? Not a lot of people can make that claim. We've been, you know, several people as of late because we've become uh, maybe living up to our potential. But Brooks did it before it was cool. Give Brooks a text or call today at 601-416-8075 and find out more about Portico. You can start with a four-bedroom, four-bath home as a, you know, maybe that's your primary residence. Or maybe you need a ball game weekend retreat. So, you know what, Steve, maybe we're downsizing. You know, we're going to retire there. Two-bedroom, two-bath home may be the way to go. And you can get anything in between. If you need a custom build, they can accommodate you. You can pick out a lot. You know, phase one's completely sold out. Your new neighbors are already enjoying life out there at Portico. Phase two, under construction now. Many of those homes are sold. You can still get in there. Or you can pick a lot and then pick out your house plans. It's a pretty good deal. Turn off 82 on the 12. Take the very first ride. It's Pat Station Road. You go through the four-way stop, there's Portico on the right-hand side. Go give yourself a self-guided tour. 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus. I can't imagine a better place to live. Unless you're living on campus itself. And then wouldn't that be great, like, not in a dorm, like, but you're just like your house was on campus and you could just like walk to games. It'd be incredible. This is the next best thing. All your friends are going to want to come by and see you on their way to the game. And maybe after tailgating all day or perhaps uh, living it up in left field lounge, they may stay tonight with you. How cool is that? Be nice to have everybody under one roof. But Portico is an absolutely wonderful place to live. I think you guys should check it out. You'll be glad you did. Make Portico your next move. All right, we have a bowl game tomorrow that involves an SEC team. Uh, the only SEC team that has played so far was Florida. And what an abysmal showing. We expected Oregon State to win the game. We didn't expect that it took a late field goal from Florida to prevent a shutout. Incredible. Oregon State wins the game 30-3. to That was the Las Vegas Bowl. A lot of people wanted us to, to, uh, to take that trip. I'm glad we didn't. Not because I'm scared of Oregon State, but because uh, I think it would have been kind of crazy that football would already be over. And it's not like Billy and those guys kind of capitalized on the extra time and got some recruiting done. The ball game tomorrow, I think, is very, very interesting. It's a 5.30 uh, kick, central time, as Wake Forest and Missouri get together. 
that's going to be awfully interesting. I, I like the matchup. Uh, I think Eli Drinkwitz is a better coach than people give him credit. Um, I think that this is a, a, a Wake Forest team, too, that uh, has done some big things. And, of course, Missouri has lost some players to the, uh, to the portal since then. So the Gasparilla Bowl, that, that's what we're looking at tomorrow. Let's kind of get a little look here at the we'll, – we'll pull up the, uh, the CBS article. Early on, I liked Missouri to win this game. I don't know that I do anymore. I just don't know. I, I think I'm going to go with Wake here. Uh, Sam Hartman is, um, you know, the quarterback there at Wake Forest. Guys had an accomplished career. Missouri, it's it's incredible. Missouri fought and scratched and clawed to get there. And then they're going to be losing uh, defensive end Isaiah McGuire, DJ Coleman, safety Martez Manuel. Uh, those were the top three um, pass rushers on the team. They're going to be getting ready for the draft. And then Dominic Lovett, who just committed to Georgia, was the team's leading receiver. I think you got to go with Wake here. I think you have to go with Wake here. It gets a 5.30 tip, and uh, the spread shows Missouri is a two-and-a-half-point dog. And so I think you got to go with Wake here. A lot of people are picking Missouri. I just don't know if a shorthanded Missouri team can slow down that Wake Forest offense. So we're going to go with the Demon Deeks. Now, we won't preview these other games until next week, but uh, just so you know, the rest of the bowl schedule, uh, after tomorrow's game or tonight's game, uh, the Friday game, December 23rd, you won't have another SEC team in action until the 28th. You'll have two then. Kansas will take on Arkansas and then Texas Tech against Ole Miss. And wouldn't it be great if Texas Tech could win that game? Oh, my gosh, it would be so great. Then on December 30th, Notre Dame and South Carolina in the Gator Bowl, Tennessee and Clemson, that should be a barn burner of a game. That's also December 30th. New Year's Eve, we have Alabama and Kansas State. If Alabama doesn't show up ready to play, Kansas State will run all over them. Also on New Year's Eve, uh, Iowa and Kentucky. You got to pick Iowa here, right? I mean, you know, Will Levis isn't playing. Rodriguez isn't playing. And then uh, that night, Ohio State and Georgia. How much fun will that be? Man, how much fun will that be? I'm going to be able to watch football with my kids. Uh, we'll be on, we'll be on head of the Bahamas. be great. And then, of course, on January 2nd, to close out the SEC slate, you have State and Illinois and then LSU and Purdue. So we'll preview those games when we get a little bit closer. But uh, we're about to get into some fun stuff. Now, I'll tell you, my, my attitude about this is, is a little different than most. And it, maybe it's because I've gotten older and maybe I'm a little more well-educated or maybe I'm just bitter. I don't want the other SEC teams to win the bowl games. I, I don't. Now, I do like it when an SEC team win, wins an NFL championship. I do. I, I was really excited last year for Georgia. But, you know, what's good for them is kind of bad for us, right? You say, well, Steve, you shouldn't be so petty. Well, I am. Can't really help it. I don't want them to win. The money is the same. Like, I, I've read some stuff on Facebook, and, and, I, and I tell you, man, I used to always say, you know, kind of read more and post less. But I'll be honest with you. A lot of people have exposed their ignorance. You don't win more money by winning the bowl game. The payout is the same, win or lose. It's not a purse. It's a payout. And so 
a lot of people think, hey, if they win, it's more money for us. Well, I mean, you know, it helps us when our teams win in advance in the playoffs because that's more money that we split. But that's the only time it matters. It's just like this old Miss Texas Tech game. There, there will be some people on Facebook and on Twitter that are rooting for Ole Miss because they think it gives Mississippi State more money. You're absolutely wrong. You're absolutely wrong. That's absolutely incorrect. So you feel free to go ahead and pull for Texas Tech. Ole Miss going to win that game, my estimation. But I'll be pulling for Texas Tech. And my hope is maybe that, um, you know, Texas Tech perhaps will be motivated, you know, by, by Mike Leach to go win that game. But uh, understand that. You, you don't root for the SEC teams to win because it makes us more money. That's just the facts. It just doesn't work that way. It just absolutely doesn't work that way. I think that's an important thing to kind of understand. And for some reason, the facts of the matter escape some people. All right, I guess in the final moments we have here, we can talk a little bit about Christmas. And uh, here's the deal, too. You know, I, I don't I don't care what you believe, as long as you believe something. Whether you celebrate, you know, Kwanzaa or Hanukkah or Christmas or, you know, whatever. You know, maybe the, uh, the winter solstice. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what you worship and what you believe. But uh, this is the time for family, as we've talked about on the show many times before. And I want to give you my Christmas list. And it's not anything that I want for myself. It's what I want for other people. The first thing that I want for Mississippi State football is I want Mississippi State football to win a bowl game and end the year with a little bit of peace. As we know, it's been a very tumultuous season. There's been a lot of loss around the program. It's important to kind of understand that. We've all experienced it ourselves. And as good as the year was, it wasn't a great year. You know, we missed some opportunities. We did. Could have been an even bigger year. But we've got a chance to go win nine games. We've only done that eight times in our history. And it would be incredible to wrap up the Mike Leach era with a victory over Illinois. And, again, we'll preview Illinois next week. But uh, we'd really like to see Mississippi State football win the game, honor Mike Leach, and have a near-capacity crowd out there. Since we're wishing, uh, let's wish for that. And I understand tickets are – you know, we've had a lot of ticket sales here uh, since Mike Leach is passing. Even some people around our conference that live in the state of Florida are like, hey, I think I'm going to go. Think I'm going to put on a pirate flag and uh, a, a, you know get a sword and go out there and have a good time. Be careful bringing swords in there. Probably have to be a plastic one, and that and alcohol might get you in trouble. When I think about men's and women's basketball, I want a winning season, but I want a chance to play in the postseason. I think both teams are capable of that. You know, perhaps the women are a better uh, NCAA tournament bet at this point. Perhaps the men make the NIT, and I think, you know, when you look at this team and you think about it's year one under Chris Jans, we've been very excited about the steps he's taken so far. I think we all look at this and say, you know what, maybe we're a little bit ahead of schedule. We don't know yet. We've got a couple of, you know, nice tier one wins. But we'll see how things progress. I still think that Marquette win is going to be huge for us. But uh, I'd like to see us get into the postseason on both the men's and women's side. I'd like to see the hump rock again. It's time for that. I mean, it really is. And it's the thing that I ask myself, if, if we won't get behind them now, and I understand it's year one for both programs, you know, what's it going to take? You know, what's it going to take? You know, 
I, I shudder to think about Alabama fans coming in there taking over our arena. So we need to combat that as best we can. I've got people hitting me up every day saying, Steve, I want to go to the game. I need to get lower-level tickets. Don't let that keep you away. You can find some. There are some out there on StubHub, and there are some people that will put them up for sale. But um, we need you to be there. We need the hump to bump again. It was an incredible venue, an incredible home court advantage for many years. It can be again. And we don't need the administration to do that for us. That's all within our own hands. It's all within our own reach. I think about Mississippi State baseball. I think about Chris Simonis. And uh, Chris is a great coach. He's a great man. He's a great ambassador for Mississippi State. Of course, his uh, dad was a Mississippi State student. Parents with marital housing. A lot of roots in Starkville. And what's ironic, John Cohen told me that Chris Simonis didn't even tell him that until after he'd hired him. It's not like Chris used that to get the job. Chris got the job because he was the best guy available, and he's delivered our first NFL championship. Our first. Not our only. Our first. But my hope is that Bulldog Baseball is back in the hosting conversation this year. That's my Christmas wish. You get in a hosting conversation, anything can happen. All of a sudden, you get to a super regional. Pitching comes through for you. Next thing you know, you're in Omaha. And as as 2021 showed us, you get a wide open field in Omaha, and you just never know. And we can let our dreams kind of run away from us a little bit, let a rational exuberance take over, and maybe that's asking a little bit much. To be back in the hosting conversation, a lot of people say, well, we should be a two-seed. I think based on what we brought in, and how well we did kind of fending off the draft and then the transfer portal guys that we brought in, I think we're good enough to host. You know, the pitching's got to come around. I think offensively we're going to be a lot better team this year. I still like Armani Larry. Before he got hurt, he was outstanding uh, in fall baseball. I think you're going to feel good about this team. When I think about all of you, you know, what I want for you are the same things that I want for myself. And I'm perfectly okay with you getting some of those before I do. But my hope is, is that you have an incredible holiday season. And not just, you know, you always hear the reason for the season, right? I mean, that's a, of course, we understand what we're celebrating. And some people would want to call that into question and assign motive and things like that and talk about how commercial it is. And, and there's some truth in every bit of that. But my hope is, is that you have some meaningful time with the people you love the most over the course of the next few days, whether it be Christmas or New Year's. Many of you will travel as families to the bowl game. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff planned here. You know, it's like, you know, for me, uh, I remember being that first Christmas for Dana and I, and uh, I was a waiter at Austin's on Broadway in Hattiesburg, and she worked at the Shell Station on Hardy. She was going to school. And uh, I eventually enrolled and then uh, dropped out when we got married. But our very first Christmas, I bought her a Nintendo from a pawn shop, and I had to put it on layaway because I was as broke as the Ten Commandments. And then she used what was left on her on her little Visa or MasterCard, and she bought me a CD player from Walmart. And that's what we had. And I'll tell you this, it's one of my favorite Christmases of all time. It absolutely is. And it wasn't just the fact that we were together for the first time. It was the fact that we did what we had to do to give something meaningful 
to each other that brought enjoyment to both of us. And in many respects, you know, that kind of set the tone for the Christmases to come. Now, I'm not going to open anything while I'm here. I've told her, I said, hey, you know, we spent so much time apart just being here together. But, you know, for me, the company counts so much more than the entertainment. And my hope is you see life the same way. Yeah, I remember being a kid and you get those socks and you kind of look and you think to yourself, you know what, this is this sucks, right? And I've had some Christmases, man. You know, as a kid, you're not grateful for anything, right? If you don't get exactly what you want, you just can't be grateful for it, you know? And the older that I've got and the more mature that I believe I've grown, I begin to think about the sacrifices you make for your kids. And, and I give Dana a lot of credit. You know, our kids have had big Christmases every year. And then here she is, even now that now we've got, uh, you know, basically three adults of the kids, you know, she's still trying to find a way to get everybody exactly what they want for Christmas. And I've had to say, listen, hey, you know, you don't you don't have to do this. I mean, you know, two of our four are now working adults that are paying their own rent, paying their own bills, you know, so, you know, it's okay to take those chances to uh, maybe dial back a little bit. But uh, the reality of it is, is you want people that you love to understand how much you love them. And sometimes that includes monetary gifts. It shouldn't always be that way, but it is sometimes. You think, you know what, this is a chance for me to really show you how much I love you. And, and there are a lot of people that equate stuff with love. Uh, my daughter messaged today and said, hey, I'm not going to be able to buy everybody gifts until I get paid again. I said, you know what, dear, all of us being together is gift enough for me. I don't need you to buy me anything at all. I can buy whatever I want. I don't need you to buy me anything. I want your presence. I want to spend time with you. I want to go make memories with you. We got a big, big trip planned and you know, hopefully everything works out, you know, but just having all my kids under one roof, you know, for one night and being able to play games and that kind of stuff and spend time with them. It's important to me. It is. I know it's important to you. And as recent events have taught us, we never know when we're going to get the chance to get together again. My wife thinks I'm always so dramatic about stuff. And with her, I guess I am. You know, you, you think about the people in your life you'd, you'd never want to lose. Well, that's it for me. You know, it's her and my kids. Um, because she's always been there. You know, and in the last year's been difficult. We've talked about that on the show many times because we've been apart so much. But, you know, I, I told her, you know, I got ready to make this trip. I said, you know, there's no guarantee I'm going to see you again. And she's like, oh, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. We're gonna, you know, <clears throat> maybe I'm a changed person through all this. But I'm not going to miss the chance to be with the people I love the most. And so my hope is you get to do that. And my hope is you get some of the things you want for Christmas too, right? You know, that's, uh, you know, that's a big part of it. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't need anybody to buy me anything. I don't. I, I don't need that to feel good about my relationship with other people. Now, there are times in my life that I have been different. You know, it's like, oh, well, I didn't get much for my birthday, or you didn't do much for my birthday, or I, I didn't get a great, great Valentine's Day gift, or whatever, you know. And uh, my focus was in the wrong areas, right? And I think sometimes you got to let people just kind of, you know, be themselves. You know, not everybody like me, I, I am probably the best gift buyer you have ever known, to be quite honest with you. And so anybody that kind of gets into a gift buying competition with me is probably going to lose. Because I put a lot of thought, a lot of time and effort into it. You know, I'd say my wife is a is a, a trail runner. 
And uh, probably one of the best gifts I ever got her is Ann Trayson is a lady that's won the Western States. She is considered by many to be the greatest American female trail runner of all time. And my wife just idolizes her. And so one year, I tracked Ann Trayson down on the uh, World Wide Web, and I emailed her, and I convinced her to be Dana's running coach. And that was one of her Christmas gifts. And I remember telling her, I said, you're never going to guess this in a million years. And I took the email, the confirmation email from Ann, to wrap it up in a box and put it under the tree. And she cried when she opened it. I like having to have that kind of impact on people. I, I really do. I, I, I put a lot of time and thought and effort into the gifts that I buy just for that very reason. Because it, And I buy my wife stuff that she loves that she'd never buy herself, right? Especially clothes and things like that. You know, she just wouldn't go spend that kind of money. But the way I look at it, she carried all these babies for me, and I put her in a minivan. When I met her, she was driving a pickup truck, and I put her in a minivan. Now I've got her in a sports car. Um, but when it's time to do those kinds of things, I think it's, it's just so important that it's not so much about the monetary contribution or the sacrifice. It's about putting thought into it. And so my hope is everybody that buys you gifts puts some thought into it because I think about the Christmases of my, of my past and the gifts of my past. And one of the greatest gifts I was ever given. My dad had Ron Polk sign a 3M sticky note. And they had it matted and framed. It's a maroon mat and a white frame. And it's in my office right now. I look at it every single day. Every single day. And I remember when my dad gave me that. I couldn't hug him fast enough. But I was so proud of it. Yeah, I mean, the 3M sticky note didn't cost anything. Right? But it was Ron Polk. Ron Polk signed that. And I have it. And it says, to Steve, best wishes, Ron Polk. And it's not like he wrote, uh, you know, an a, a Apostle Paul quality epistle on there. He just wrote his name in a nice little greeting. But it meant the world to me. It absolutely means the world to me today. It means even more since my dad has passed away. My dad gave me that. And so when I think about my own children... I want them to feel the same way. And so it's probably too late for many of you to go out and get that you know, special gift. Uh, but I would encourage you in the future, that's what you look for. One of the ways you can make it special too, I know many of you have Bongard listeners in your family, is uh, you, you can order them my books. And it's so interesting too. I meet people and they say, I see, I've read both of your books. And I say, well, I've actually written five. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, let's, let's get, get the collection caught up. And you can do that at dogpilethebook.com. All of my sports books are there. That URL takes you the same place. You can get Alpha Dog, Stark Villains, Flim Flam, and Dogpile right there. And we've sold a ton of Dogpile this holiday season, a ton. Uh, I guess we sold almost seven cases of books last Saturday between the two book signings. It's incredible. And, and, and that's special to people. And uh, there was a young lady that listened to the show. I'm not going to mention her name because I don't want to embarrass her, but uh, she's from Jackson. And her mom said, hey, i got to give you something for Christmas, but we got to be there between 11 and 12. And she shows up, and uh, she gets your picture taken with me, and I remember the look on her face. It was just such a big deal to her. But what she doesn't understand is what that moment meant to me. Right? That's the thing. It's being able to give of yourself, to give of your time to other people. And uh, when you work as hard as many of us do, and people appreciate your work, that's a gift that you can't put a price tag on. You can't wrap that and put it under the tree, but it means everything to you. I have so many people that come up to me and say, hey, Steve, I love the show. I appreciate you keeping me connected, especially out-of-state people. 
They're like, you know, we, we're kind of limited when it comes to Bulldog, uh, you know, sports coverage. And I've had so many people that have, uh, like, you know, the guy Matt I had lunch with today. It's a Boneyard listener. He's hit me up. He goes, hey, I heard you say on the show you're going to be out here in Albuquerque. I'd love to go to lunch with well, We did. We went to lunch. And it was a great conversation. I feel like I've made a friend. You know, and I know the next time I come out here, I'm probably going to hit Matt up again and say, hey, man, why are you sleeping today? Do you want a good lunch? That kind of stuff's important to me. It is. I mean, making a personal connection with people is important. And I've had so many people tag me in pictures over the years, and uh, my sister laughs at that. You know, it's like she thinks it's all really funny. Uh, but, you know, it's important to me. It, it, it's important to be important to the people that are important to you. And you guys are a big part of that. You guys, listen, and, and, you know, November was a record month for the Boneyard. The biggest month we ever had. And we've already surpassed that in December. And, of course, a lot of that's, you know, fans from other schools that, you know, wanted to find out what was going on with Mike Leach. But, you know, a record is a record. I don't know if we'll ever surpass that. we got a record number of subscribers at jeanspage.com. The website is bigger than it's ever been. And that's because of you. Now, of course, we put in a lot of time and effort into this thing. But the reality of it is, is that, you know, we can write all day long. But if you guys don't want to read it, you don't want to come over there and hang out with us and, uh, and pay for some of our content. Most of it's free, but we do make some stings uh, VIP. There's no point in us being here. There's no show. There's no books. There's no website without you. And the greatest gift that I get from all of you, I get all year long. And so that's important, I think. You know, for to kind of take some time and acknowledge that you know we we have a relationship, me and you. And even if we never meet, I think it's important that we acknowledge that you guys are a big part of my life. And I've had so many people that have said, you know what, Steve, I I just don't know what I would do each week if I didn't have the show to listen to. And that's one of the reasons that I'm so religious about doing this. I don't take a lot of time off, as you guys know. And I'm going to really enjoy kind of being away from everything for a while and being able to hold my wife's hand, watch my kids, and uh, you know make some memories together but i want to wrap up with this there are a lot of people out there that are not going to be with their families this christmas and there are a lot of reasons why there are some people that are estranged from their family whether it be through addiction alcoholism gambling simply making bad decisions maybe you're the black sheep of the family Uh, Maybe there's a mental illness issue involved here. I'm not making light of that. There are some people that truly need help, and they are estranged from their families, and they will not celebrate Christmas together. And that's unfortunate. And so my, my, my request of you is let's pray for those people. Let's pray for reconciliation. And if we are directly involved in that, maybe let's try to influence reconciliation. Let's encourage reconciliation for those families. I mean, it's like Uncle Jerry doesn't come to the family reunion because he's at odds with somebody. And you try to make the best of it, but somebody is missing. There are many others that will celebrate Christmas this year without a family member for the first time. I always think about the song, uh, One More Light from uh, Lincoln Park. And, uh, you know, that that part about when there's always one more chair than you need. I didn't write that, but I've lived that. And I can tell you when I hear that, it's like those lyrics resonate with me. And there are many people out there that are going to struggle through the holiday season 
with memories of someone that will never be there again. And those people are at the top of my prayer list. They are. I, I, I can't begin to imagine you know, what Mike Leach's family will feel this weekend knowing Coach isn't there. It's brutal to think about that. There are other people that are going to be apart from their families for a more, you know, let's just say a more noble cause. They're out there defending our freedom. Our men and women of the armed services and their families making a tremendous sacrifice having to see their kids open up Christmas presents on FaceTime if they're lucky. Living a life that I would never choose. I have so much respect for our military families. I cannot begin in, in one show share how much I respect our career military people. Because I ask myself, you know, who would choose that life? Well, I'll tell you, a special person would. A selfless person would. And I don't know that we do enough in this country to take care of our veterans, to take care of our military families. People talk about, hey, the benefits are great. Well, yeah, if you can get into the VA and get, get an appointment. We don't do enough. I don't care who's in the White House. We have not done enough to take care of our military families. And to be quite honest with you, you want my vote? Make that part of your platform that we're going to take care of our military. We're going to take care of their families. We're going to take care of them even after they're done. We're going to take care of these mental health issues and PTSD and things like that. They shouldn't come back damaged people. And many of them don't. But some of them do. They need a little help. We've got to make that treatment readily available to the people that have stood in the gap so we can all sit around and watch football and watch our kids unwrap their presents. We can lay down at night and put our arms around our significant other and they would do anything to do that. My, ladies and gentlemen of the military, my hat is off to you this Christmas season. I will be with my wife. Many of you will not be. And so thank you for affording me that opportunity. Thank you. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. And I know that I speak for a grateful nation. And I know we do, we do not say it enough. But your service and commitment to our country is appreciated. And at times we kind of arrogantly ignore that fact. But as, of, as we sit here today, I want you to know that we love you. And we want you to complete your service safely and return back home to your families so you can enjoy life stateside and be able to watch your kids open gifts. And you don't have to worry about uh, you know, going out you know, working a post or anything like that. You can just live life and live life more abundantly. But thank you on behalf of at times a very ungrateful nation. We'll show some gratitude to you today. Listen, that's going to do it for today. This has been a difficult show for me to do. I'll be honest with you. I have, uh, we didn't have a whole lot to talk about, but we ended up eating up the whole 90 minutes. But, uh, you know, we, we just spoke yesterday. And so we're putting this thing together, no recruiting stuff. You know, we'll kind of get into that after we get done with the bowl game. But um, at the end of the day, you know, the, the holidays always make me a little melancholy. And they make me realize the things that I take for granted in my life. They really do. And I think about the American farmer. 
and how my dad worked tirelessly his entire career. The son of a Jones County dairy farmer himself, he worked tirelessly for 33 years for the United States Department of Agriculture to make life better for Mississippi farmers. That is something that I'm very proud of. And so I come from a farming family, even though I wasn't a farmer myself. And I understand the sacrifice that those people make. That's not a life most people would choose. But man, aren't we grateful that so many did? Who do you think clothes and feeds us, for crying out loud? It's important to understand that and acknowledge that. So when people take a shot at us about being the ag school, I just kind of snicker to myself and say, I'm proud to be an Aggie. I am proud to be from an ag family. Absolutely busting at the seams, proud to be part of that. So let's remember those people that maybe perhaps we take for granted in life that do so much for us at, at thankless jobs. This time of year, I think it matters more than ever. I really do. That's it for today. We'll see you next time. You guys enjoy your family. I hope you have a wonderful holiday weekend. And, and listen, if you get a chance to get that pretty lady that you love so much under the uh, mistletoe, you lay one on her. I mean, you lay that big 10-second smacker right on her. I mean, you just lay it on her. Because you and I both know she did most of the shopping and the wrapping, and all you had to do was get up and, uh, you know, maybe uh, collect the uh, the wrapping paper to go burn in the fireplace. You know, so, so moms are doing the heavy lifting here in the holiday season. Let's make sure she knows how much we appreciate her. And I appreciate all of you. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.